Good morning, and welcome to chapel. My name is Bob Yoder, one of the campus pastors here. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Near the end of the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 25, Jesus tells a particular parable, and the following is a portion of that parable. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. I find it interesting in this parable that the king, someone who we would expect to have much possessions, wealth, blessings, was found to be hungry, thirsty, and naked. Couldn't he just pull out his kingly credit card and charge those items that he was in need? What kind of king does not have? I also find it interesting in this parable that the person blessed by the Father in this passage was able to provide. Where do you think this person got their provisions? How did this individual come about the means necessary to be able to Give food, give drink, give clothing. Did this person have a bank account? How was it that this person was more wealthy than the king? Today's chapel is titled, The Ten Keys to Financial Peace. And in preparation for this chapel, we've had the privilege to work with various members of the Goshen College Business Department. And you will hear more from Russ Roop and Jonathan Geyser later in this service. Russ is professor of accounting here at GC, and Jonathan is associate professor of business and business development director for the Center for Business and Education and Entrepreneurship. Before we continue with worship through singing, I light this lamp in front of me as recognition of God's ever-present spirit in this space, but also in our lives. As we continue with prayer, I invite you to turn to number 671 in the blue hymnal. Number 671. I will read the leader portion, and I invite you to read the people. Number 671 in the blue hymnal. Let us pray. O oh God, we come seeking you in our worship together. We come to you for truth because we are untrue. We come to you for strength because we are weak. We come to you for wisdom because we are unwise. Our 
Amen. I invite you to turn to number 59 in the same hymnal. And why don't we stand to sing? love a cheerful giver.
Good morning. Obviously, we're promoting being in the black this morning, right? Okay. Um, as Christians, we believe God calls us to be good stewards uh, of his creation, including our planet, our lives, our time, and our assets. Now, we can be good managers of those gifts, or we can be lousy managers. The Bible actually has a lot to say about managing money, and Russ has pulled out a number of Bible passages that we'd like to share with you this morning. The Bible has more than 2,300 verses on money and possessions. Using a very limited number of these, we have generated uh, the 10 keys to financial peace. Uh, but our modern consumer society often uh, has strayed quite far from these, uh, this biblical wisdom. And the signals and messages that we receive uh, daily all around us often tell a different story. And we would like to contrast uh, these different views for you today and then summarize how you can achieve uh, financial stability and peace in your life and why that's important. Key number one. Remember that money isn't evil, but loving it is. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He who loves money shall never have enough. The foolishness of thinking that wealth brings happiness. Okay, um, society's viewpoint. Now, as we heard from Dave Ramsey, money is neutral, but people are not. So it depends greatly on a person's attitude towards money, what they do to get their money, and what they do with their money. However, many people in our society believe you can buy happiness, and they chase after it all their lives. A uh, good 70% of Americans thought they would be happier if they could only earn uh, as little as $150 extra a month. Key number two, know that everything belongs to God. Put God first. And remember, the land is mine, so you may not sell it permanently. You are my tenants and sharecroppers. The earth is, all, is, is the Lord's and all that it contains. However, uh, our society, uh, we often view ourselves as owners, not stewards. And uh, we say, I control what I own. No one else can tell me what to do with my money. I come first, I decide. Key number three, contentment comes from being a faithful steward. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who calls his own slaves and entrusts his possessions to them. And, he, to, and to one he gives five talents, to another two, and to another one talent each according to his ability. We are called to be faithful, whether we are given much or little. However, modern consumerism teaches that happiness can be bought. Society's viewpoint is often, I will be content when I obtain that next possession. As you can see from this uh, uh, cartoon, here's uh, how marketing sometimes works. This is one of Russ's favorites. I think John just put that up there to kind of say marketing works just for, as well for bald dudes. <laughs> Key number four, saving must become a priority. 
The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Few society facts here. Um, before the 19, or sorry, before the 2008 financial crash, the U.S. actually had a negative savings rate. Well, wh what does that mean? That means we were spending more than we earned, and we were actually dipping into our savings, or more often than not, into our home equity. And young people are not saving sufficiently. You can see from the numbers here that 10% uh, have no financial accounts at all. And many here, 74%, 83%, are not saving for retirement. Uh, and uh, it is very, very important, of course, to start saving early. Uh, we often work with the, uh, the power of compound returns. And once you learn that lesson, you will never go back to the idea that, oh, I can save later. Starting early is very important. However, 70% of wage earners live paycheck to paycheck. Now that's a club you don't want to be a member of. Key number five, be a steady investor and diversify. Steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on earth. I think the last year really shows that verse true. Meanwhile, some more society facts here, nearly half of all Americans have less than $10,000 saved for retirement, and that includes older Americans. So um, I don't know if they're depending on the government to provide for them in their, retirement, uh, in their retirement, which is probably not a real good idea, or whether they plan to work as a greeter at Walmart until they're 90. 25% uh, of those who are eligible do not participate in a company-sponsored retirement savings plan, even when those plans match the employee contributions, meaning they're walking away from free money. Doesn't make much sense. Key number six, get out of debt in order to be free. The poor are always ruled over by the rich, so don't borrow and put yourself under their power. Some more society facts. We spend more, we pay less, and we accumulate debt. Before McDonald's chose to accept credit cards, the average ticket price was about $4.75. Now once they went to accepting credit cards, that same average ticket price went up to $7. That's about 47% increase. We spend much more when we're doing it on credit. It's not as painful. Meanwhile, 45% of American cardholders pay only the minimum amount of their consumer debt. It takes years and years and years at that rate to pay off that debt. And the average household, uh, credit card holding household, has more than $9,300 debt. So we accumulate that debt rather than pay it off. The moral here is that debt is very painless to get into, but very painful to get out of. Key seven, tell your money what to do. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about budgeting the uh, terrible B word. Very uh, boring to do, but very important to do. 
now, the top two responses of young adults when asked which aspects of personal finance they wish they had learned more about before going into the workforce, they were living with a budget or living within a budget and the importance of savings, two very important lessons uh, to achieving financial peace. 54% uh, of those that are unable to stick to a budget claim unexpected expenses as the reason. Expect unexpected expenses. They happen. They can be expected. You need to plan for them. Key eight, act your wage. The blessings of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. Meanwhile, we all too often take on more spend than we can pay for. Over 25% of Christmas shoppers will still be paying off their bills come the next Christmas, a year later. The average consumer takes at least six months to pay off holiday bills. So here's an interesting fact. Um, for every hour of television you watch per week, you spend an average $200 extra a year. So think how many hours a week of television you watch. Now you guys probably don't because you're all studying diligently, I know. But when you get out into the working world and have kids and stuff, think about this. You might ask why, why is that? It's because marketing works and you are being bombarded by advertising. We are the most highly advertised society in history, and it works, and you pay for it. Key nine, use your God-given abilities. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Some more facts here. Very simple one. Get educated. Stay in school. You can see by the figures there, the longer you stay in school, the more your earnings potential over the course of your life uh, and, and on a yearly basis. It is, it is very important to, uh, to get educated. It's also important to work in your strengths and to find something that you enjoy. Less than 39% of people under the age of 25 are satisfied with their jobs, and that percentage doesn't go down much as you move through, uh, through the age cycle. Many people hate what they do. That's a sad, sad fact. Key 10, give back to God. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. God loves a cheerful giver. It is more blessed to give than to receive. God prospers not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. All right, some more uh, facts here. Now, the U.S. is a very generous uh, society here. The percentage of households that give in the U.S. is 89%, uh, and another 55% of Americans volunteer of their time. Um, now, uh, the majority of wealthy donors say that giving back to society is very motivational for them. But you can't give much of your time or your money if you're broke and you're just treading water to stay afloat. 
So it's very important to, uh, to prepare yourself so that you can, uh, you can give back. And that giving is a very essential part of our being. Uh, John and I teach adults at night in the community. Um, we've had three different sessions with different businesses. And generally speaking, our attendees are 40-somethings or above. And when we ask them what they got out of the course, the majority of them say that they regretted the fact that they didn't have this at a young age. So here's some steps um, to go through to get, obtain financial peace. It's a, it's a process of working at it. It takes time. It's not so much about knowledge. It's more about emotional behavior. But here's the steps. Pray and commit your finances to the Lord. Tell your money what to do on paper. Budgeting. Give, save, and then pay bills. Establish an emergency fund for those unexpected expenses so that you don't have to borrow money to cover those. Quit borrowing money and pay off consumer debt as quickly as possible. So why is this important? Well, if you manage your finances well, over time, the stability that that brings gives you great flexibility to be able to, do, uh, be able to use your time, your money, and your God-given talents to do God's calling. As a song of response, please turn in your blue hymnals to 392. Anna will play the song once through on the recorder and then we'll sing it twice through. Heart and mind, possessions, Lord, we offer unto you. 
Go now, honoring and serving our Creator with your possessions. Feed, clothe, and give drink to those who do not have. Amen.